Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 28, the post-Christmas episode of Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike, and our last episode before the close of 2018. This is Michael Elkins, your co-host and producer. Uh, We do not have the Jeff of Jeff and Mike tonight, so it's myself and Ellis Hobbs from Atlanta, Georgia. Ellis, how are you? Doing good, doing good, feeling good. How was your holiday? Holiday was solid, man. Um... You know, Santa and the Elf on the Shelf. Um, that's actually nice. the new. That's actually the new thing now. Uh, are you familiar with the Elf on the Shelf? Tragically, yes. Okay, so I, I, so <laughs> so hear me out. You know, you're you're you're, okay. you're a good thinker, and you kind of think you think things out very thoroughly. I think I there's hope. a correlation <laughs> from the Elf on the Shelf to Catholicism. Okay, go. Okay, I believe that the Elf is one of the saints. And he speaks to the modern day Jesus, which is Santa from a Christian perspective. You know, not to say that Santa is Jesus, but the example I want to give. So my kids, right, you know, they they understand Santa. They know Santa. Right. But they're more petrified of the elf than Santa, because when we threaten them, if they're doing something naughty or, you know, not cleaning their room or not listening We'll say, okay, well, we're going to talk to Santa. We're going to make sure Santa hears about this. They take it seriously, but then they're like, yeah, whatever. But if we say Olivia, which is their elf, her name, if we say Olivia is going to go back and report you guys, they pick it up ASAP. You have an elf on the shelf. We have multiple elves on the shelf. And your kids don't listen to this podcast, right? No. No, they don't listen. Because <laughs> that'll go out the window as soon as they hear this. No, 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 no. So, so you know, for, for all purposes of what the elf on the shelf is, you know, ours reports back to Santa, which they does, wink, wink. And she brings her <laughs> buddies out, and they get to playing around and doing all kind of mischief. And Daddy has the obligation of cleaning everything up in the morning. But my kids, they they sit there, they look at her, they talk to her. They they tell tell her to please talk to Santa for us and tell him that we've been good. This is what we want and all these other things. So similar to the the Catholic religion, St. Paul, St. Mary, St. Minnesota, anybody else, no disrespect right. to anyone. Sure. I, I see the elf being in that category and speaking for the people. I feel like you've helped you've turned the elf in the shelf into like a very good little tool to get the kids to do things. I have. I have, my <laughs> friend. Because I got sick and tired of just being abused by, by the Christmas spirit of the elf because it was it was getting it was getting out of hand in my house. Where, so we're not just a sports podcast. We are now a lifestyle parenting podcast. Yes. Anybody wants to <laughs> anybody who wants to better their lives or their children's lives, please hit me up. <laughs> parenting from ellis hobbs hey, the hobbs family exactly <laughs> we're gonna add your wife to the podcast we'll add jeff's wife oh my god and the families can can talk and i'll moderate yes yes exactly <laughs> you have two kids right no i have four i knew that <laughs> four kids four kids why did i think you only had two i don't know you, um i'm just wrong yeah you're just wrong i think i don't i don't i don't favor one or the other even though i have one but i don't favor one or the other <laughs> Well, I know you have a son. Yeah, I have two. And I have I two have sons. Two sons, and I thought I know you have two girls. Then, right? Two girls. Yep. I have. Uh, wow. Best of both worlds, twice. And the, and what ages do they range in? Sixteen, eight, five, and one. Wow. Yeah. So you are busy, to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> Man, that is um, that is a variation of ages. It is. It is. It actually um so. The oldest, who's 16, um, technically is my stepson, but um, he, we know nothing of my, it's either dad or son. We never really use those words. And I've been in his life since the age of four, basically, and uh, taught him pretty much, uh, you know, tying shoes, riding bikes, things of that nature. And then um, my, uh, my biological son, little Ellis the fourth, who's eight, and so pretty much half of him. And so those guys interact. It's it's funny because it's, when you have someone older in front of you, and I've never experienced this as a, as a brother. I, I only have a, a younger brother, but technically, where he's younger than me, but we're only eleven months apart. So I don't really know what a younger brother or an older brother is. But watching my sons, 
and, and my younger one, eight, who's eight, I mean, he wants to mimic everything that he does. And I'm like, dude, like, you're half his age. So, like, you got to understand, like, you got to wait and grow up. And so, like, he's wondering why he can't do it. And so now I see that same situation going on again with my daughters, with my one-year-old who sees my five-year-old doing all kind of stuff and flipping around. And so now she's trying to flip off the couch and kill herself. And I'm like, listen, you just <laughs> learned how to walk, you know, four or five months ago. You know, give it some time. But, I mean, it's just, it's crazy in the house every night, man. As soon as I open the door, you know, I'm getting tackled. And uh, daddy do this, daddy do that, daddy watch this, watch that. But, you know, it's all going to pass one day, man. So I'm just trying to embrace it all. Sure. And Santa was good to the kids, I take it? Oh, yeah. They were very good. Uh, You know, Santa was very full on some weird chocolate drink. I don't know what it was, but it was was actually delicious. It it, it smelled weird. Um, I think it was like love, peppermint, and some holiday spirit in it. But uh, he drank all of that. And uh, almost had a tummy ache, but he he pushed through and ate the five cookies that uh, he uh, nice. that they left. And then he immediately went down that morning prior to the, the kids waking up, uh, Santa did, and got in the gym and uh, tried to burn it off. <laughs> right. Santa being you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wink, wink. Well, so we had... Um... We had some interesting football on Christmas Eve, and then we had some interesting things happen um, right after Christmas yep. up in Foxborough. Acquisitions. Uh, so let's, yes, acquisitions. Um, let's start with Patriots Bills, and then we'll get into the James Harrison stuff, and then we'll get into some playoff seating, and then we'll we'll call it a year. Um, well, hold on, before we do that, uh, oh, that's, I you have a shout out to the yeah. losers of, of the NFL. Um, seems <laughs> okay. as if nothing is going to go right for these guys up until draft day. But which we all know, they've been through draft day numerous of times with numerous first-round picks that all are bust or whatever. Which you know, my, once again, my point is that when you build an organization, it starts from the top down, literally. And, I, and I'm talking about from the owner to the CEO or whomever. It can't just be coaches and players. But um, to pick up where my boy Jeff left off with this day in sports, we right. are looking at 1953 on December 27th. The Detroit Lions beat the Cleveland Browns 17 to 16 in the NFL championship game. All right. Not to be outdone, <laughs> not to okay. be outdone in 1964, which I'm pretty sure this is the last time they won. Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Colts 27 to 0 in the NFL championship game. So, that all said, this will be the last time that we've mentioned those two teams moving forward in the 2017 year and the <laughs> Is that the last time the Browns won a championship? I believe so. I think it was. I believe so. But I mean, hey, you know, it's time to move on to the winners. Let's get out. Of, let's get out. Of, let's get out of the way. Of the <laughs> well, Bra- I mean, Browns on their way to the number one pick again, the second year in a row. So yeah. there'll be something to talk about around draft time um, in 2018. But let's get into and, and thank you for taking over the this day in sports. By the way, hey man, just, um, just picking up the next man up. Yeah, next man. I was gonna say next man up. Maybe we have a a Brady Bledsoe situation. You know, Jeff is he he can't get he can't get it done, and you know somebody comes in and steals the job. I, I don't do know. That to my boy. I wouldn't do that to my boy. I wouldn't do it to him. I hope Jeff. I hope Jeff listens to that and, and says something, or his wife at least. Um, all right, Patriots Bills. Interesting game. A little bit of controversy with the um, Keldon Benjamin touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. Every year. Yeah, every it's day. crazy. Every day, um, I mean, I was at the game. We thought it was a touchdown. <laughs> um, I we were like we we thought we didn't understand what the overturn was because we couldn't hear it on TV. And then someone pointed out it looked like he didn't have possession of the ball. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a touchdown. Everybody in the stadium seemed to think it was a touchdown. Yeah, not from, from sure. My understanding, what, they said that when he retrieved possession of the ball. His left foot was up, and it wasn't dragging any longer, from my understanding of how they would explain the replay. But, okay. I mean, either way, man, <clears throat> I think they said it. Um, they normally say it. Well, no, they say it in football. You know, what's the point of having instant replay if we're not going to get it right? You know? And so do, uh, it's, it's just tough. It's tough because now when you look at it, I mean, if you don't have a 4K TV, you know, the pixelation on it is very, very sketchy. And so right. is there space between the turf and his foot? 
You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, and when does he have the ball? And it, it was close. I'll tell you, it was very close. Yeah, it was very close. You know, and and my my thing that I would always say, even when it was me making the plays or whatever, it's like, all right, don't even get yourself in a situation to make it close. Or if it happens, it's like, you know what? If you had to did X, Y, and Z, hell, we wouldn't be in this situation. So I try not. I tried not to focus on those things, but it's tough this day and age, man, where everything is so scrutinized. Um, you know, to the point of where, regardless of what it is, every touchdown is reviewed no matter what. And so when you have those types of plays, um, I've been on both sides of it where it just takes the wind out yourselves. And I don't care how good you are as a player of, of eliminating distractions. You could clearly see with McDermott and those guys, it was frustrating. They actually did a sound bite. I believe it was a linebacker uh, going in at halftime uh, underneath the tunnel. Um, he made some derogatory comments uh, towards the referees and then just towards uh, New England themselves as far as how they're always on the uh, better side of things. And, you know, regardless of what he said or how he felt, it's a distraction. It it, it turns into a distraction because he's still focusing in on that. And, you know, who's to say if that touchdown isn't made, how the game goes moving forward. But, um, you know, you never know. It is what it is. Well, yeah, I think the commentary was that the refs are on the payroll for New England and the NFL's on New England's payroll, yep. which is ironic, ironic considering New England got whacked for Spygate with a lost first round draft pick, a million, a $500,000 fine, I think, or it might have been, might have been a million. Yeah, and then that was they the got whacked. statement, not rational. <laughs> I mean, and then, yeah, not rational at all. And then they got whacked by Deflategate, four game suspension for Tom Brady, another first round draft pick gone. So um, I find that commentary interesting. I'm not sure the Benjamin touchdown really changes much of anything. The Patriots, um, it was like this game was almost a tale of two teams from the Patriots' perspective. Mm-hmm. They had a tough time getting going in the first half, I felt like. I gave the defense a lot of credit. They gave up a lot of yards, but did not give up a lot of touchdowns, um, a lot of field goals. Even if you give Buffalo the Benjamin touchdown in the second half, the Patriot offense took control of the game, in particular Brady and Gronkowski. And you think about it, you know, they scored three touchdowns and, and basically – closed the game out by mid-third quarter, or at least end of the third quarter. Um, and they did it with no Burkhead, no James White, no Chris Hogan, no Julian Edelman. I, I think that's a testament to what this team is right now, which is – and now I look at it and I say, that's a dangerous group. If you can do that with missing those four guys, any thoughts on, on the fact that they pulled this off with – with almost none of their per- offensive personnel, or at least regular personnel? I mean, I wouldn't even call it pulling off, Mike. Uh, you talk about how the Patriots do this consistently, you know, week in and week out, where you take those situations, you take those names and plug them in with other names on other teams, and you tell me, you know, what is going to be the success rate of those teams? You know, well, we've seen it over and over again that where one guy just totally, totally takes and, adjust- and, and forces that team to adjust you know, for uh, against that opponent. But where the Patriots, you know, and we, we were joking about it in the beginning of, of uh, another conversation, but next man up and how the Patriots are able to do this over and over again, so much to the point to where it's becoming, it's, well, I say becoming, it is normal to where the, yeah. the, 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 the Buffalo Bills player is now upset at a call. But if you, if from, you look at it at the wider scope, like you said, in a rational perspective, you're not even playing the best players on their team as right. an opponent, and you're still <laughs> being handled handled well. And, uh, and I left out I left out Dion Lewis, by the way, who had a huge day, huge Sorry. day, huge day, right? Yeah. And so you know the one key component that, that's been you know uh, tried and true is, is Tom. And so you yeah. know we've yet to see uh, in this era um, uh, of of the success what that looks like. Because we've seen, you know, we've seen snippets of it, you know, with Garoppolo, Jimmy G. But Jimmy GQ now. Yeah, they Jimmy, say. Oh, Jimmy GQ is so. We're going to get to that. He is so. We're going to get to Jimmy. We got to get to Jimmy because that's man. a whole other situation. I just want to, I just, just like Jesus, I just want to touch the hem of his garment because <laughs> yeah. he's in the money right now. But anyways, we're back, back to the story. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just amazing, man. It, it really is a, a, a testament to, to what they do. And how they do it, and you know, hate it or love it, man, you got to respect it and understand sure. that these guys put in the work. 
they they know what to do they know how to adjust and they just get it done they get it done no matter what and i think that when building those guys go into the war room and, and you're talking about the draft and you're talking about you know acquisitions and things they are able to visualize and foresee so many steps in front of if this if this particular player goes down how can we rearrange this thing how can we move it around how can they fit into this organization or this program this offensive defensive special team scheme and how can we get maximum value out of guys i think a lot of teams don't really emphasize maximum value all the way around where you got a lot of guys saying oh he's going to be the best d lineman that we have where you see many of times with the Patriots, D lineman running down the field on the kickoff, on special teams, on punt, um, you know, just just different players playing on multiple levels, multiple positions, multiple schemes, and just maximizing that guy's uh, playing potential, and really as a player ben- benefiting you on the side of credibility that you can do more than one thing, and you know, to the testament of the Patriots. It, I guess that's why they stand so firmly when they talk about, you know, paying people or whatever, because, you know, we're giving you so much opportunity. But at the same time, you still have to have that type of player who's willing and committed to do that because you have a lot of players who are star players in the NFL, you know, without disrespecting anybody, no names that will not do what is required to be a Patriot. You know, and and we've seen that over and over again with some star players that come into the organization and everybody gets so excited about those guys, but then they just kind of flame out. And and I would dare to say that when those guys come in, you know, they come into a regime of, okay, well, we're expecting you to do this or, you know, now your role is going to be this. And they're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm not used to these things. But, you know, when you see them beat the Bills like they did and and handily beat them, um, you're just seeing, you know, the Patriot way coming into full strength. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you mentioned about, you know, paying, and I guess that's a good little segue to Garoppolo. We can sort of, I think, put a, we can put a, we can finish up on the Bills game. I mean, the Patriots won, like we we agree. Um, second half was um, definitely different than the first half. So we look at paying, and that and Patriots, by the way, in the driver's seat for the number one seed. Yep. All they have to do is beat the Jets. And they'll be number one. Steelers will likely be two. We're going to get to that. But let's talk about Jimmy G and paying and New England and how that worked. Because that's a really good point. The Patriots generally do not break the bank, which which is, by the way, what made the Stefan Gilmore signing all the more surprising. Well, They've never even. Well, I don't know. I don't. I think there needs to be kind of like a a, a sub to that, where they they don't necessarily break break the bank with. In, internally, meaning that guys that start with the program and are, are leveling up through the program, whereas right. numerous of times you've seen them acquire guys from different teams and they break the bank with them. And and, and, and keep in mind, we're talking about you know perspective. They break the bank the Patriot way. They're not you know they're not setting yeah. records with no that's overall. They're not the the roster always has flexibility. There's never they never are really in trouble with the cap and um. You know, they've never even broken the bank for Tom. I mean, thank you know, people talk about how Tom's done a lot of things by taking less money, and he has. Um, so I guess Patriot Nation should really be thanking Giselle because when you have yeah. a wife, when you have a wife that's got that, you know, thirty, forty, fifty million, sixty million dollar modeling money coming in all over the world, you could take a little less. And and I think that that's been a huge win for New England. But let's talk about Jimmy Jimmy GQ or Jimmy G. A lot of people currently are upset that the Patriots traded him, that they didn't get more for him, or that they didn't keep him. So I want to I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. One, they couldn't tag him. I know they theoretically could have, but what people are failing to understand is if they had tagged Jimmy, it would have been around twenty five, twenty six million, which would have counted against the cap, and that would have meant a non competitive roster in two thousand and eighteen. It would have had a dead roster spot for 24, 25 million. And they would not have had the depth that they have, which is what makes the Patriots so great. Mm -hmm. So that was a non-starter. They could not do that. Um, They kept Jimmy for insurance against a 40 year old Tom Brady. I don't think they expected Tom Brady to be this good at this point in his career. I really think when they drafted Jimmy, they thought Tom's got a few more years left. And Tom said, Oh really? 
You think so? Yeah. I mean, right. what you, you're not gonna you're not gonna trade Tom Brady. That's not gonna happen. I mean, he just won a Super Bowl, and by the way, he's still playing lights out. Yes, yeah, those underwear I mean, pajamas he wears. <laughs> it's got to be the pajamas yes, or the avocado. It it's the avocado ice cream. <laughs> I mean, I was just listening to a podcast tonight, and they were talking about this, and they were saying it's what's so interesting about Tom is you can name the bad throws, right? So if he yeah. makes a bad throw, that's a news story. Two or three in a game, it's a, everyone's jumping off the Tobin Bridge in Boston. Most teams would kill for that. You and if that's, yeah, you know, I mean, you can't keep Jimmy. You could not do it. Man, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, a buddy of mine, um, I say a buddy of mine, Michael, Michael Dean, he says, um, oh, he Michael. Talk, yeah, we're, I said a buddy, like we don't know each other. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> says that when he watches uh, Cam Newton, that, from from the way he throws, he actually has to hold his breath because he doesn't know where the ball is going to go, right? And, and right. how he throws it and just the, the trajectory on it and, you know, how his shoulders are up. Like, you just don't know. But you actually get surprised with Tom that if it's an incomplete pass. Like that's it, right. It's almost like, wow, that just happened. Whoa. Like, it's, yeah, that's Tom, weird. Yeah. Tom just threw it, and it was two inches in the wrong spot. What happened to him? He's the most accurate quarterback in the league right now, and the most accurate quarterback in the history of football. Yep, you're not gonna. Far. You they weren't gonna trade him. I think there was probably some talk. I, I I totally believe that Belichick entertained that idea a little bit of moving on from Tom and keeping Jimmy, and eventually it's going to happen. But the Patriots from whatever, if you look at this from the overall perspective, not from the prism of they could have gotten more in the offseason. If you think about what Bill did, it was really smart. He moved him to he knows Jimmy's going to be really good. He didn't move him to Cleveland where by the way Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario could end up coaching him next year and mm. he could kill them. He could kill them in the conference for years to come. He put him in a good spot in San Francisco, but a spot where they only have to see him once every 4 or 5 years, mm. maybe in the Super Bowl. Um and they had a good insurance policy for a 40-year-old quarterback this season. And I think if Brady had ser- seriously regressed, Jimmy wouldn't have gotten moved. But that didn't happen. Yeah, I think it just didn't frustra- happen. You get the, frust- the, the frustration from the fans, the frustration from you know an overall uh, population is of, of Patriot fans. You know, there's a lot of yeah. people like, listen, we're, we're sick and tired of it. Good for you guys. Get rid of them. But. Um, <laughs> The frustration comes from, I, I guess, you have a quality, quality quarterback. Because right now, the biggest fear of any Patriot fan is that when Tom leaves, this thing is going to unravel and the dynasty is dead, right? And so as, as much as Bill is loved, we know that the engine, for the most part, is Tom. Is Tom. We saw a glimpse that. of what it could be without him. You know, Castle. We had Jimmy G. Um, uh, was it? Is it starts with a B? Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, Brissett. We have Brissett. And so we can get game. it done, but can we get it done confidently? You know, week in and week, week out. Like I told you before, like that confidence is within the players of knowing that my guy is underneath the center and that we can do this, right? And so to have that that close and see, you know, what type of talent Jimmy G was and now, you know, being kind of the Monday quarterback and seeing what he's doing in San Fran. Uh, unreal. Uh, unreal. It's unreal. And so to have that that close in your backyard to where we can keep this thing going for another yeah. 10, 15 years and you guys just gave it away. I think that's more of the frustration right there. Sure. And, and I do I do get that. But the timing didn't line up, nope. and you ha- the fans are forgetting Bill and Nick Casario and that crew were smart enough to draft Jimmy G. They saw that three years, four years ago before any of us did. They will see it again. Jimmy's not the only one. Nope. The time Tom just I again I firmly believe they did not expect Tom to be at this level. That this was disrupted by Tom Brady. And his per- not 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 in a bad way. He just said, "Oh no, of uh, my, my performance isn't going to drop." And Jimmy's really good. We're seeing him do some great things in San Francisco. And by the way, if you listen to him, um, he was mic'd up last week. If you close your eyes, you listen to what he's saying. It's very Brady esque the I way mean, that he's moving the team. Yeah, you but, have a lot of those guys that, that that have followed under 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 Tom. 
Um, when I was practicing, you know, when we were practicing out there, you would see those guys out there doing the throws and running right behind Tom and moving up the field with them. And they looked identical to him, you know, many versions yeah. of him. And so what you're seeing out there in San Francisco is, is, is not a surprise by any means. I think what, what we're going to see or what was going to be very entertaining is the greatest equalizer in the NFL is film. And as people yeah. continue to get film on him, continue to get game plans wrapped around him going into next season, you know, that's what we'll really see where the credibility and the worth is. But I still have the utmost confidence in him because of who his mentor was and who he's been around. And, right. and his preparation should be second to none because he's seen the best at it. And so I, I definitely think that the sky is the limit for him. He's only going to continue to go up. And then, you know, People really tried to criticize in the beginning what that uh, 49ers organization was doing and how they were getting it done. And then all of a sudden the losses started rolling in. But, I mean, you know, they're starting to really get in some key some key positions, some key parts uh, uh, that, are, that are necessary for championship football in the team. So it's going to be very, very entertaining to see how, they, how these guys move forward into 2018 and, and, uh, and they're, they're on. Well, you bring up an interesting point about film, you know, Jimmy does not have the benefit of the Patriots staff, McDaniels, um, you know, Tom, look, at, if you look at Tom's career, right, he, he starts with Charlie Weiss, and then he goes to Josh McDaniels, Billy O'Brien, back to Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Jimmy doesn't have that benefit anymore. Nope. Bill's not there to help with the development. I mean, would Tom have been Tom if the Patriots traded him after year four or five? I mean, look, after the 05 or 06 seasons, Maybe Tom was gone. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he should have been gone. I'm saying if he had gone somewhere else, maybe he's not the same guy he is today. I'm not a, I I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy G, obviously, but I think you raise a really good point that he might not be the next Tom Brady. I think everyone needs to slow that down a little. Yeah, Uh, yeah, slow it down. um, When when I talk about it, I'm talking about in the sense of he's seen that it's real. Sure. He's seen what it takes. He's seen how how it's done. Now to see that in on a day in day out basis with the entire recipe, meaning the coaches that you mentioned, with Tom of course involved, like that's a whole different beast. He should have right. enough information moving forward to develop his own personality within that preparation that he once saw. But yeah, I mean to have Bill in your backyard every waking moment or in the mornings. Right talking those things through. I mean, you just, you just can't get that, you know, right now right. He, he's out there um, with new offensive coordinator, um, you know, quality people, all this type of stuff, new coaches. And so right now I think the wave, like, like any player that, that starts and that's fresh, like a, like a good rookie, you know, the wave is right now is that we don't really have a lot on Jimmy G. There's not a right. lot of, there's not enough film. There's not enough mistakes. There's not enough positive. So, you're seeing it almost as a, as a new pitcher on the mound, and you don't know what his best pitch is because you've never seen him. And right. so as he, as he continually goes out there, it's, it's the double-edged sword of he's doing all these great things, but he's setting himself up for the adjustments. And when right. the adjustments happen, that's when you're going to really see, okay, what type of preparation does this guy have? Now, if, if, he's, if he's seen enough and he's done enough, he knows that, okay, well, when Tom would be in these situations or when Tom talked to me, he used to break film down like this or he used to focus in on these things or he used to work on these things week in and week out, day in and day out, or this skill set. And so somehow, some way, he's going to have to manage that and develop it because, I mean, you can see it on, you can see it on the TV. You can see it when the, I mean, you can hear it when the announcers talk. Everybody is on the surfboard right now. We're in the gym. Sure. I'm on the surfboard. Me too. And so I love it. I, I just love anybody that can get out of that regime and continually be successful because you know one of the bad things about the Patriots is that they 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 put you in this bind or this position of you wouldn't be who you are without us and it's interesting because as a player it's like well I got here you know without you guys so <laughs> right. how, how the heck am I not sustaining but you know that's another conversation but it's sure. um it's one of those things where I'm, I'm more than you know happy for him and cheering that guy on to the finish line and and I'm I'm cheering him too. Number one because obviously his time in New England, he, he was reported to be nothing but a class act, and he was um, obviously great with the fan base. And look, stepped into a really difficult situation. Um, oh man, with, with the Flate Gate. Oh, that was and, and handled it like a champion. Yep. Um, and if he hadn't gotten hurt, who knows? Maybe that team's four and zero when Tom comes back. 
But I also am rooting for him kind of, I guess, for the flip side of the reason you are, which is it's great to see a quarterback come out of there and do so well because it ends the argument that, oh, Tom is a system quarterback, which I hate that argument in for any team, quite frankly. I mean, I don't care what the system is. I don't. I didn't play. I don't play in the NFL, but you obviously did. You tell me if I'm crazy. You still have to go out there and snap the ball and stare down a defense, read it, move, make the throw. That's not a system. No, that's not. Those are adjustments <laughs> not a on the system. fly, man. I mean, take, take, <laughs> yeah. Tom's, take Tom's career from the very beginning when Bledsoe went out to, to where he is now. Look at all the variations of receivers that he's had oh to my throw God. the ball to. You know, some tall, some big, some slow, some fast, lanky. Some don't run routes as crisp. Some run excellent routes. Some give it away too early. Whatever it is, he's seen the entire spectrum. That's not a system. That's adjustments. No, and and it's changed year to over 17 years. This guy won a Super Bowl in 01 and 2017. It's not, yeah, it's not the so same system. So the body system. of work. Yeah, so, you look, so if you look at his body of work, it is a compilation of so many variables that if, if you're looking at it from that uh, perspective and then comparing it against a system where a system stays very continuous, very static, it is what it is, it's not that. And so to, to even hear that conversation, it's, when crazy. Try to bring it up, it's a crazy conversation in the first place. I honestly think, man, when it comes to the Patriots, people start to fabricate and make up anything just to make themselves feel better. Yeah, and and it, and it truly comes down to and, and throw all this conversation out the way the podcast whatever losers lose winners yeah. win no question and, and, about and it when 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 you have people in the room that have an excuse for every single thing you're a loser you're a loser That's and, right. and you just hate to see people win you hate to see the Nick Sabans in life win you hate to see the Belichicks win in life you hate to see the Michael Jordans the Serena Williams you know you hate to see the Steve Jobs winning and and like I said you can go down the line but it's a reason these people win in life win in sports because they're willing to put in the effort the time and the dedication and the sacrifices day in and day out. And so the results they're getting makes you mad and frustrated because you're not willing to do what they do on a daily basis. That's 100% correct. Um, and you know, and you hear it from Bill when the Patriots lose, there's never an excuse. And the first word out of his mouth, and I listen to every press conference, is, he never he never says we have to play better. For, he does say that, but he starts with we have to coach it better. Mm-hmm. There's no excuses there. We have to coach it better. We have to, players have to execute it better. We have to do everything better as a team. Same thing with Nick Saban. Same thing. And they do lose. It, it hasn't been perfect in New England. People people forget there's losses, but there's no excuses. Yeah, you lost. You know, people say, oh, you lost this game. Well, then they got beat. They got beat by a better team that day. Um, I agree 300% with you. You hear people make excuses, and, and I'll say this. It's Buffalo Bills fans are the worst at this. Ugh. It's excuse after excuse after excuse, and that's why that team hasn't been to the playoffs since 1999 because they don't want to fix anything that's wrong with them. They're just worried about what everybody else is doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is a culture and a mindset. And, you know, When that disease takes over, it's very hard to get rid of. Absolutely. Let's um, transition from Jimmy GQ to another player whose name begins with a J, James Harrison. Mm. Mm. Now that, um, so we texted about this a little, I think it was yesterday, Mm. um, released by the Steelers, and at the time seemed like it was a news story for sure that he signed with the Patriots, but according to Pittsburgh and Tomlin, this was amicable and they knew it was coming and... Harrison had said, um, you know, yeah, he understood. It's a business, and he gets released. He signs with New England. Now, today, his teammates, particularly Pouncey, have come out and blasted him and said that his legacy in Pittsburgh is over because he signed with the Patriots, that he actually caused the release uh, from his antics by not showing up when designated, uh, when when he was not playing for games. He wouldn't show up on the field if he was in, on the inactive list. They said he didn't go visit Ryan Shazier in the hospital. Harrison took the high road, probably because he's on the Patriot Media program. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm curious about two things here. One, your thoughts on him going from Pittsburgh to New England. Um, and two, 
this is something that's been going around with fans, and I've heard it on online a little bit. Is New England going to get an advantage from him on Pittsburgh and its playbook? And I'll tell you my opinion on that right now. I think it. I don't think that has anything that has any meaning whatsoever. But I didn't play professional football, so if you can tackle both those topics, you know, it's it's very interesting how when a player makes a decision for himself, right? It becomes the most selfish thing in the world. When a team cuts a player, it's a business decision. And Harrison said, by the way, he understood that it was a business decision. He did ask for his release, and he said, I have to make my own business decision, which I get. Yeah, and and, and to, to hear him say that is exactly the approach, but what the the caveat to that is when the players or other players actually start to get offended yeah, uh, of that a situation me. to where one, you don't know what this man was going through, what, what, what they, what they said exactly to him, how he was, how he's supposed to take it and what you would do in that situation. And so it really puts a, a division amongst the players. And this is one of the biggest issues and biggest problems in the NFL or sports to where, you know, amongst the peers, we can't even unify. To re- regardless right. of how you you personally feel of what he did or stabbed you in the back or the team or the city or whatever, this guy is your brother on the field of play, your teammate, ex teammate, whatever you want to call it. He he's a peer, a colleague, and so you stand by him in the sense of you're excited that he is able to file another W two for another year for sure. another season. He has a job. It it just it blows my mind how these how these people take positions because who's to say in 2018 or at the end of this season, Pouncey, something crazy with the Pittsburgh Steelers doesn't happen to you to where you have to make a decision now for your family and for your and for the benefit of your individuality as a player and as a person. And so that that's kind of my take on it, you know, with with that sense of, you know, that once again, the unwritten rule, you know, let's not speak on another man's business. You know, let's not talk about anything because you, you're not in that man's shoes and you don't know all the the the, the bullet points, the variables, all every uh, of the entirety of the situation. Well, I, and I also think there seems to be this element of at least from Pouncey, it was they're mad because he went to the Patriots. Well, who's I mean, not going to be my, mad? <laughs> yeah, my la- but my, I feel like my Labrador Retriever saw that move coming when he yeah. cleared waivers. Yeah, really? that's what I'm saying. And, and that, that kind of leads me into the next topic, but I'll, I'll stick here right. for a second to where yeah. with, with James Harrison. Okay, so you let the man go right before a potential playoff game uh, with you guys again. And, you know, after the, the, the game itself, uh, uh, you know, week uh, 15. But now right. here we here we are. And you're telling me that you could not, like you said, you couldn't see this coming? Like, why wouldn't you scoop right. him up? If Tom Brady is let go tomorrow, are you not trying to pick him up? Like, are you Exactly. Not, are you not trying to get some sort of information? Even if, you know, you're not going to play James Harrison, just to get an insider detail uh, of what they do and how they do it or whatever. So, yeah, I, I mean, from what Pouncey is saying, and it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, I'm hearing a lot of emotional statements right now, but I'm not hearing rationality in none of this. I'm not hearing, you know, the the, the cooler heads prevailing and say, you know what, that that that's well played, makes a lot of sense. I mean, kind of like when you set yourself up for a joke, like how did you not see that coming? And right, you know, it's it's just it's very interesting how these players are taking it and and how it's being received by everyone else because really the only people that are mad are the people that actually activated this whole situation, the Steelers. And it's <laughs> right. Like, it's like, man, like if, if you guys have never let them go, this would have never happened. But the rest of the world is like, all right, who, who didn't see this coming? Raise your hand. Oh, it's all the yellow and black. Are you kidding me? So that, that's, that is what it is, man. With, with the whole situation of the, 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 the Steelers, um, the information and receiving that from James, like I think that's an obvious, but it has a limit on it. You know, you can't go into a game thinking, okay, let me put it a better way. What's the point of practicing, you know, leading up to a game or potentially leading up to another game with these guys, if you're going to have all the answers to the test, right? But the problem is that those answers to the test had many variables, many different situations for that specific night. And so overall, 
Um, I'm kind of on your on your bandwagon, uh, Mike. When you talk about Tomlin is not a very cerebral coach. He's a very, right. he's an emotional coach, and so you're not going to get a lot of adjustments. As a matter of fact, you might get a guy who's going to go out there and forcefully play play to that book because he wants to prove that he can beat him no matter what, beat the Patriots or whomever he plays no matter what. So James Harrison, give him all you want. We're going to continually pour this on, right? But at the same time, as the Patriots, you're not putting your your hat or hanging your hat on all of what James is saying because you have to still go out there and play the game. The the last thing you want your players doing is going out there and overthinking, overthinking a, a, a play, not reacting to what they see, and just guessing. Like, okay, well, James told us when, when X, Y, and Z happens, this is going to happen. If the keys aren't reading up, if the players aren't in the right positions, it's going to get very confusing out there, you know, to try to listen and follow those types of directions. I think he's going to give a general synopsis of who they are and what they do. Um, not to say that, hell, Bill and those guys already break down film very well. Yeah, I was they, just going to say, yeah, wouldn't they, they know all that anyway? Well. Yeah, they know it anyway. And then this is not an opponent, it's, like you said, with the San Francisco 49ers. This is not the 49ers we're talking about. They're within our conference. We've, we've, we've played them consistently over the years. Um, they have somewhat of the same personnel out there, if not similar profiles out there of, of, per, of the personnel. So we're not getting a whole new Steeler team um, out there. If he gives us some sort of information that's beneficial compared against the notes that they already have, yeah, we'll plug it in and we'll use it or we'll try to alert our, our guys. But you're not going out there with those type of specifications and, and playing an NFL professional football game, hanging your hat on that. What I do think uh, with Harrison is that, and I text you this, he is probably one of the best prepared players physically and even though he he's at the age of what he is, but physically one of the better prepared players in the game of football right now and has handled and conducted himself as a professional since I can remember, since me going into the NFL. Because I would, you know, as big as the NFL is, it's a small circle when it comes to the colleagues. And you would consistently hear his name um, throughout the offseason of how he prepared, how he did what he did, and how he moved around and handled himself uh, and his body. And so I would dare to say that, immediately he impacts that line with better play because from what I can see with the injuries and and the substitutions that they've had to deal with so far, he's definitely not a step down. <laughs> right. No, he's, he's better than what's already there. Yeah, for sure. And they don't, they don't need him to be the James Harrison of three, four years ago. They just need him to be a little better than what they already have. They exactly. really just need, they exactly. just need a, they just need a guy who can set the edge. I mean, at the end of the day, they can't even do. They can't do that. Well, there's some there's there's something that we call man uh, outside of just anything else. Uh, you know, anything anything that you get in the gym, you you can't adapt this in the gym. But it's called grown man strength. And right. there, there's a couple plays within his. Well, I say a couple. There's many of plays within his career that Bill has personally showed us. I've seen highlights, you know, from Andy and from Bill of James Harrison making grown man plays out there, lifting guys up with the forearm. Moving guys out the way with a swat. When I say moving guys, I'm talking about 340-pound guys with a swat of his arm and getting those guys off balance and, and, and moving those guys out the way. So the way he plays the game is how the game was meant to be played. And whoever you are, there's there's two sides of this thing where you get some guys that come into the Patriots uh, locker room and, and they're very nervous and they don't you know they don't know how they're going to adjust or how they fit in and then you get those older guys that come into the Patriots locker room and they're so excited just to be a part of that winning culture that they just want to give it their all and and the best example I can give you that uh, um, that matches this this current profile of James Harrison is Junior Seau to where when he came That's into a that good point. when he came into the organization. Man, face lit up, always ready to work. And, man, you couldn't tell if it was year two Seau or year 15, 16, 17 Seau because he was out there playing fully to the wall every play and giving it his all. And it's really one of my highlights of my career to see that in person and to play next to that guy. So I would dare to say when Harrison gets out there, it's going to be a rejuvenation of just mind, body, and spirit. Be not and not only the revenge part of it, 
Um, cause I think there's a little bit of that too, even though he conducted himself in a business fashion, but you know, he's going to give everything to the Patriots that he, that he thinks that he could have still given to the Steelers. And, and, and my yeah. point to that is like, why not? Like, yeah, man, go for it. And I only think that it's, 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 it's only going to once again, level up the Patriots. If I was any team, you know, <laughs> whether it came to trades, whether it came to anything, like the first thing I'm writing on the whiteboard is like, we do not negotiate with terrorists, which is the Patriots. <laughs> we do not negotiate with those guys. And so this wasn't a negotiation, but at the same right. time, we got to make sure that we make it either very difficult for them to get him or, or he can't get or they can't yeah. get him at all. I, I'm very surprised they made him available considering it look it looks like the Steelers and the Patriots are on a collision course it's it's not a guarantee but you know it's it's certainly looking pretty good and he is i think he's firmly going to be be very incentivized to show the Steelers hey you passed up on me so you know what i'm going to go to the team that's pretty much owned you for all these years and now i'm going to own you Man, I don't know. I don't know that that's what he's thinking, but I feel like that there's a lot of that. Here. I believe that. I believe it. Why yeah. not? Why not? He he's got a great shot at getting his third ring, and I think it would be. I, I wouldn't say it would be the sweetest ring, but it might be one of those. You guys could have had me, and you didn't want to use me. You yeah. know, his mom. His mom made a comment on Instagram recently. That, oh man, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that she. You know, you wouldn't. She's like, I don't even know if he's any good. No, they won't play him. And um, I think the Patriots are going to use him a lot more than people think. Yeah, I think they're I think they're gonna they're gonna use him and they're gonna use him. Um, they're gonna optimize to where yeah. I, I think that the way that people are thinking about it right now is that he's coming in as this this young rookie and they're just you know putting him out there or whatever. But you know to put him in, in in specific situations, whether it be third down, setting the edge. Um, specific plays that they believe that um, teams are going to run in, in certain situations and, and trying to keep him as fresh as possible because you want to have in the back of your mind, like, okay, regardless of how well he's in shape and everything, let's not fully bleed this guy out. Let's really right. try to maximize everything that he can give us on every play. We have younger guys that, that can can hold up the wall you know, and not necessarily um, let it fall on us. But, you know, let's make sure at the end of the day that for this little amount of time that we have left in this season and this playoff run, let's make sure that we get every single thing that we can out of this guy without bleeding him dry so that when we do get to that moment with the Steelers, if it happens, or to the big game, now we can just turn this guy loose and let him go. But I think the Patriots are going to handle it very well. They're all, they already are. Yeah. You know, and, and we've seen this over and over again to where, you know, they, they 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 just sit by and just wait and and once again it's from what I said uh, last week teams find more ways to lose than the Patriots find ways to win I just yeah. think I believe that the Patriots are are very non-reactive and they they sit around and they wait for those specific moments and when the moment comes they put it all out there on the table and they take over but um. You know, with everything that's going on within the NFL, like you said, I don't know why you make this move at the very end uh, to, to to do this, knowing that two, three steps down the line, you could potentially be playing these guys. And who's to say that when the Steelers didn't make that or, or sign on the dotted line and that was finalized, they were like, oh, crap, I forgot about this part. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, they, they came out and they've sort of been like, we knew this could happen. We're not concerned. Um I, I feel like they messed this one up. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's more of just a cover up. I don't think. I agree. They, I don't think they talked that thing all the way through. Um, you know, because it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, because because look at it right now. Like it, he he has to be that impactful of a player for us to give this that much attention. Like the fact that Pouncey is upset. You know, Steelers. You know, are saying you know X, Y, and Z. You know, the the media waves are starting to flow, and James Harris is now with the team. So he's been an impact. And so for yeah. you to let him go at this stage of the game, you know, what? why? But- and, and he apparently, maybe there was an evaluation error in Pittsburgh because Bill doesn't just sign players to get an emotional advantage. Like James Harrison could have all the, the venom he wants against Pittsburgh, but if when they brought him in to get a look at him and he couldn't play, I don't think Bill would sign him, period. Bill, so he, he only signs people that can help the team yeah, on Bill the has, field. Bill has made this statement publicly, uh, well, I'll say internally publicly to the team. It's like, listen, every man on this roster has a specific job right. on this field. 
whether you are whether you are able to complete that job and execute that job is fully up to you. But we go into this thing with you having a purpose. And so that that was made very clear at, at the beginning of every season. And so for him to come on right now, there is clear and definitive reason why. And sure. and we will not find that out until until he starts to play. I don't is he is he going to suit up this week? I predict he will. Okay, I don't yeah. Know. I just kind I think of get him into the fire and everything. But, yeah, we, we will we'll see, see sure enough. But it is there. Believe He's, that. He practiced today. He'll practice the rest of the week. Look, the Patriots are decimated um, on defense. Kyle Van Noy still out. Alan Branch didn't practice again. I mean, these are your, your front-line guys. So I think there's certainly a spot for him. I mean, currently they have starting Eric Leeds, who's the player they plucked from the Bills practice squad. Yeah, I mean, you, you take, <laughs> yeah, you go into this game and you treat this game for James Harrison as a preseason game. I would say week uh, preseason week three, where you give this guy uh, a good amount of reps within within your scheme, uh, your processes. You're coaching him up as he goes, and then you're getting him out of there. You know, once the game is, is pretty much locked in, or you feel as if he has enough film to be coached up on, and, and moving forward going into the playoffs, that's when we really want to open this thing up. But I would, I would think that they would treat him or treat this situation like a preseason week three game, um, where you know the dress rehearsal. Hey, let's get you in here and and, and put him in certain situations uh, with the Jets, um, with 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 the. With the purpose and intentions of trying to win the game, of course, but specifically geared towards Harrison, let's really get some good film on him so that we can get back in this room and and coach up with him. Because as much as you're going to be coaching him, he's old enough and he's a veteran enough, a veteran status to where he can see how he's going to fit into this scheme and what he needs to do to adjust. We just have to get enough visual to, to, to talk this thing through and have a great great conversation of communicate and communicate you know the way we need to as player to coach coach to player yeah and he he seems to be embracing this there's been two um social media posts one of course was his photo with tom brady which you and i had talked about but then so mark mark Wahlberg posted a video today um basically saying pittsburgh let james harrison go and now he's with the patriots he goes Oh boy! And Harrison reposted that and retweeted it also on Instagram. So <laughs> he's and which I think people might say, "Oh, that's silly." It's social media, but I think in the modern world, it actually is very telling. He's clearly embracing this whole. Yeah, they let me go. Yeah, something behind that. The something behind that because it doesn't Absolutely. make any sense. You know where? Nope. I mean, he's the type of player that every team looks for. You know, regardless of his age. Like the man literally got off the plane and went into the gym and started working out after the Kansas City victory last year. And so to right. have that sort of dedication, that sort of focus, and to have the credibility and the and the, the, the stat the stats of, of, of him over the years, like how like how I guess scratch the scratch the cut, scratch the Patriots, how do you not send him out in a better way? Because the, the Steelers are normally synonymous with taking care of their players uh, uh, that, are, that have they've been successful and, and, and done well for that organization. So how does it how does it end up like this? And so for the for the position and perspective that Harris is in take, is taking, you know, I don't see any reason not to take that position because from my vantage point, it looks as if there was something that happened or something that they didn't necessarily agree with, or they were like, hey, thanks, but we no longer need you. And it was just, you know, as, as unhearted and unwarm as that, and just moving forward. And so, you know, you you, you try to be as businesslike as possible, which, like I said, James did take the high road, but underneath, yeah, there's a personal intent. It's like, look, dude, I put people into these seats. You know, I gave you, I made money. I made you, cha- I, I won you championships. You know, what What else do you want from me? And you send me off like this? Yeah, I'm going to go beat you. Why not? I mean, he went to, I mean, I think you have to sort of throw it back in, though. He didn't go to Baltimore, although no. that's a rival. But, you know, he didn't go to he didn't go to Buffalo. I mean, he went to Bill Belichick. He went to the evil empire, right? He went to I mean, the evil empire. Somebody, somebody posted a meme on Twitter, and it was Bill dressed as, like, Darth Vader with Har- sitting Harrison down and, like, sucking all the info out of his head using the Force, which I thought oh, was hysterical, man. by the way. Oh, um, man. But I, I do feel like the Steelers, because Tomlin is not cerebral – 
maybe I'm maybe I'm being crazy. Maybe they sat down and they said, you know, he could sign with New England, but I think they thought he wouldn't sign with anybody. I don't think uh, if, if comparatively, I don't think Bill Cowher makes that decision. The what the the, the I mean the, uh, Tom. I don't, I don't think I don't think Harrison is gone. I don't think Harrison is gone. Oh, you're saying Cowher would not have done it that way? Yeah, he wouldn't have done it. That, I think because Cowher's more cerebral. He's, he's more of a thinking coach, and he had he had the best of both worlds. Where he was very emotional, but a very intelligent as well. Not to say that Tomlin isn't intelligent, but. To, to, from a football sense and walking this thing through, I don't think um, you know he makes that decision. But who knows, man? I just know that the situation that's going on right now, one side is taking it way more personal than yeah. the other, and that side that's taking it personal had all of the cards in their hands. And, sure did. Yeah. So for you to take it personal now, it's like, dude, you activated this. Like nobody yeah. else started this but you. I mean, I think now if if it's not Steelers, Patriots, and the AFC Championship, I think we're all going to miss out because this really ratcheted up an already intense rivalry. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great. That, I guess that's a good segue to uh, close this thing out. We've got some great games on Sunday. A lot of playoff positioning um, in the NFC. Number one seed up for grabs. In the AFC, Patriots do have to beat the Jets. I think that they will, but um, they do have to win because Pittsburgh's playing Cleveland. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Pittsburgh will win. And, but looking at the bottom of the bracket, um, Buffalo Bills still have a chance to get in. Uh, mm-hmm. Ravens need to win to stay in. Uh, Tennessee hanging on for their playoff lives. So um, there's nine 4 o'clock games on New Year's Eve. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's and, and most of them have playoff implications i love what i would love what the nfl did by flexing the sunday night game back down to four o'clock and moving some of the one o'clock games up the bills dolphins game in particular and a few others so that all the teams that have to worry about other games they're all playing at the same time smart move by the nfl very smart move um at the end of the day this is a business yep so what 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 other better way um, kind of like a March Madness almost. Yep. Where you, you're getting all these games at one Good time. Good analogy. Yeah, uh, great overload. analogy. You know, Buffalo Wild Wings is going to be packed. Absolutely. And, you, know, you know, jerseys everywhere. Um, what, a, what a great move. I think this is actually one of um, Godell's better moves. <laughs> yes, no league. doubt. I agree with you. And so um, I, don't think his, I don't think his business mind has ever been in question, but more of his morals and ethics and how he handles those things. But, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of different scenarios, yes, but then there's so many variables within those scenarios to where not only do you need the team to win, but you need this team to lose. And if they don't lose, then you know now you got to win. And so yeah. it was, it was, it's just interesting to read it if, if if you just Google, you know, what what are the playoff scenarios? Right. But um, I, I like it for the sport. I like it for the sport to where when when there is no clear definitive winner, it, it really puts in perspective how small the margin of competitiveness is within the NFL. Absolutely. Because when, when you get to this level, you know, and, and I know we have a team and, and I, I think this generation and this day and error, this day of error is really spoiled from what they're seeing with the Patriots because people don't sure. really truly understand how difficult it is to win in the NFL and not only win, but win consistently and continually that tradition and then take it a step further, winning consistently with different people, you know, different players amongst different generations. And so when, when you have a, a season like this, you know, amongst numerous, uh, numerous divisions in both conferences, it really makes the sport that much better. And, yeah. and you, you, you do have teams that are out there and that are, um, you know, better than some. But you get the feeling um, outside, I would say, of the Patriots. Oh, I would say even the Patriots, to where because they've been beat, to where it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs. And I've said this since the beginning and since my experience uh, since 2005 of being in the playoffs. You know, I highly, highly underestimated my first playoff game that was against in, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, that was a, a wild card weekend game, right? Yeah, wild card weekend where I said, yo, man, I'm just going to go in out New England. ball out, do my thing or whatever. And I don't know what it was, but – the game was, um, you know, my mental was one thing, you know, even as the game, as you settle in, your nerves start to settle down, but it, the, everybody was moving that much faster. The hits were that much harder. And it just seemed as if every play was hanging on the balance of the next. And when you're trying to figure that out, 
uh, when you're experiencing that and you're figuring that out within your personality and everything, it really makes you cherish that, yo, man, this is it. And so I actually think it's kind of like a baseball where this is kind of, you know, one to get in, you know, and, and once once this, this side of it's done with, you know, we're rolling right into the wild card uh, series. But I think or I'm expecting uh, to have a great ride all the way to the Super Bowl with all these games. Yeah, I think we're going to see some. I thought we had a, a mediocre season. I think we're set up for some amazing um, playoff football. I personally love wild card weekend. Yep. For me, it's I, anything can happen. You know, you look for that six seed to to win, and and actually, um, I would love to see the Buffalo Bills get in. I really, I would. really would. I say, really I would. would. It would change wild card weekend. They could win. They they could beat a Jacksonville. I think. If that's who they would play if they got in. I just think when you get to the playoffs, um, you know, it, it does something to your confidence because just to get to the playoffs is a, is a vote of confidence in itself because every team can't do that, right? And and no matter – I know that the, the the pressure was there for us once we got to the playoffs and, and you know, we were already 16-0. and 0, But outside of that, you know, the expectation of, all right, we've done this, kind of like the Golden State Warriors, like we got to win it all because we, we've won every game. But if, if you separate that from just the playoffs itself, you know, momentum is a is a huge, huge thing. And every team that makes the playoffs really has some sort of momentum going in, right, because they won to get there. And so when when you get onto that field, you truly do feel as if it's 0-0 again. Because I, none of none of the other things matter. It's I mean, funny. It's ahead. funny you mentioned momentum. I, I'd mean to jump in, but I think we kind of talked about this in our talk about that 07 team, which we're gonna I'm gonna release by the way. Um, you know when we have a little break, um, in between our sessions here, um, closer to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but you remember that 07 team? I always felt like even though you guys were winning, if you look at that second, not the second half, but maybe the last five games, four or five games. Those were close games. Yeah, it was. You guys were not rolling at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, the momentum didn't dry up, but we definitely weren't on the rise. We weren't on the rise. No, and And, when you talk about teams like uh, the 2010 Packers, who came from the sixth seed, when you talk about the New York Giants that year, who came from the low seed, you know. Bill talks about this going into November, December. You know, the playoff era, where you want to be trickling up, trending up. You know, to where you might be winning every game, but if you're still kind of downtrending or like you said, you know, it was close games or something was just off. It was that, off. That was from worse. a fan that's, perspective. Yeah, that's worse than that. That's that's worse. And, and you know, yeah. scratch the wins. It's, it's mental and it's momentum. So, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, spot on with that. Well, we got a lot to look forward to. This is going to be a great, um, great New Year's Eve football Sunday. Before we close it out, what are your New Year's Eve plans? New Year's Eve plans, uh, celebrating with a little Welch's grape sparkling juice nice. uh, with the family. Nice. Um, same juice, actually, that we sprayed on the kids when we won the championship. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I so, love it. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, man. I might, I might Instagram an adult beverage. There you go. Uh, there you go. You know, I think I – yeah, hold on. Let me see if it's back here. Yeah, I might Instagram it. I got a, I got a Magnum Moet uh, bottle. Oh, very so, nice. Uh, yeah, I might pop it, you know. Very um, nice. Try to take it down myself. Who knows? I don't there know. you go. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that sounds like good New Year's Eve plans. I yes, will. Um, yourself. Yourself. I'm taking my talents to New Orleans for ah. a few days. Yes. I plan to. Um, I don't plan to do too much drinking, but I plan to do a lot of eating. Are you? Uh, are you going to be watching all the games from there? I'm going to watch the games from there. I've contacted um, or I've Googled some Patriot fan clubs that are out there. Look at you. This is your lawyer ways. Look at you. (laughs) I know. It's it's not very spontaneous, but I want to make sure I'm in a bar that's that's playing the Pats game, and there's quite a few of them. So I'm going to watch all the games. Got some great New Year's Eve plans for dinner, which I'm excited about. I love food, um, and I don't get to eat it as much as I'd like when I'm training. So since I'm not really in a training cycle right now, I'm going to take advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, New Orleans is one of my very favorite cities on earth. So I'm, I've never been there for New Year's. I've always wanted to do that. So I'm excited. Nice, nice, very yeah. nice. 
All right, everybody, we're going to close out um, 2017 here. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. Please have a very safe and happy new year. Of course, we want to thank um, Ellis, who joined us mid-year this year, but has become an integral part of this show and uh, just goes to show you he, he was able to pick up the slack on this day in sports. So um, I know he prepares a lot, and I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, very successful 2017 for all of us on the show. Um, we wish everybody the best for 2018. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back at you next week. Make sure you watch these games on Sunday because there's going to be a lot to talk about. Peace. Take, take care, everyone. Have a good night.